0: This is the Contractor's Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Welcome to another edition of Contractor's Corner podcast from Solar Power World. I am Solar Power World Editor-in-Chief Kelly Pickerel. And before we get into this month's interview with Sunrise Power Solutions out of Long Island, New York, I am joined this month with Solar Power World Senior Editor, Kelsey Misbrenner. So hello, Kelsey. Hey, Kelly. So yeah, this is, we're one year into coronavirus. I think this is the, the 12th edition of Contractor's Corner coming live from my basement. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you doing? How are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling great that I didn't have to get up and drive to work on Daylight Savings Monday.
0: <laughs> I know, <laughs> especially for, like we, had, we would have just been getting used to driving in the sun and yes. now it's back to darkness.
1: Yes. So I'm I'm feeling grateful this morning.
0: Well, that's good. That is a good How thing. Are you? I know. It's like, I am very grateful that we have been able to work from home for a year now. But at the same time, I am like going crazy. I think I actually yeah. lost my mind in January. Ugh. So now
1: <laughs> here we are. Yeah. Trying to get it back as the weather gets nicer. Right.
0: That's true. Yeah. And kind of help, that'll help with our mental health to be able to get out more and walk mm-hmm. around Ohio and, and get the good weather.
1: Yes, and the greening of the trees and the plants. I'm excited <laughs> for that.
0: So speaking of mental health, it is National Women's History Month, and uh, recently it was what, like International women's day women's day and one day one day and nothing you know just lifted my spirits more than seeing these male ceos on social media with their pictures of their hands and a half waving gesture saying that they stood with us but (laughs) thank you sirs
1: thank you Uh,
0: But yeah, I mean, you and I, obviously women on Solar Power World, Mm -hmm. um, it's tough to know how best to take these events, these days, these months. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of um, some people reached out to us and was like, are you celebrating women in construction week? What are you doing? And Mm -hmm. kind of our stance is instead of just focusing on a week or a day or a month, we would rather do it all year Mm -hmm. and, you know, incorporate more women working in solar in our photographs in the magazine and online and just kind of make it more, just not calling it
1: out. Right. I mean, I think that people have good intentions with these women in construction weeks or international women's day, but I think it just cements the status as an other, just like when headlines call out woman scientist invents x and y when it would never say man scientist invents this yeah so i just think like you said it's so much more helpful to just do what we do which is try and interview more women for our stories get more photos of women installing solar in the magazine and just making it more normal
0: yeah yeah. I mean, and, and it is, it is still hard. Like we were doing mm-hmm. a lot of round tables this year for uh, the 10th anniversary of top solar contractors list. And, you know, we, we reach out to these companies to join us on these calls and, and we hope that we can get a diverse, you mm-hmm. know, response and, and on our first round table, we did have um, a very nice woman from uh, Borrego joined us mm-hmm. and but, but it is it is still hard. We do try to do the, the diverse thing and, and make sure we get a lot of diverse voices, but mm-hmm. there's still a lot of work to
1: be done for sure. Yeah, yeah, there is. And I also think it helps a lot that some of our highest leadership in the advocacy arena um, are women leaders. And they, like Abby Hopper at SIA, she really goes out of her way to bring women together with networking events and then also like just I've talked about this before but at a conference she asked um, if anyone had any questions and all the man hands shot up and she said okay I'll, I'll get to your questions but do any women have have any questions because I know we are slower to raise our hands yeah so just encouraging participation like that is awesome too
0: yeah, Solar Power World's parent company, WTWH Media, there are a lot of women at the company. And I think that for Solar Power World specifically, um, I think Billy Lou, our associate editor, he's actually the most diverse on our team simply because uh, the rest of our team is, is, is all women. So we have a lot of really strong women around us at our company.
1: We also, as a larger company, have started to have conversations about equity that I have never had with a company before. And I think the catalyst for that all was the social, social justice campaigns of 2020. So, I mean, I think companies are becoming more aware of the inequity mm-hmm. and starting to talk about it. So that's definitely helping on a corporate scale for us too. It seems like things are going in the
0: right direction and mm-hmm. I did consciously take this month of, of Women's History Month to make sure that I had a a, a woman voice join us on the the podcast today for um, the Installer interview. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I have Sunrise Power Solutions coming up. And I I wondered if I should explicitly ask her what it's like to be a woman in the solar industry. I mean, I hate asking those questions. And mm-hmm. yeah, I just feel like we have more important things to talk about. And so what you guys will hear in the the following interview, we just talk about solar installation, what it's like in the New York market. Um, I don't think we really need to call these things out, but I am very happy to have (laughs) diverse voices joining me on the podcast. So thanks, Kelsey, for talking with me today. Sure. Thanks, Kelly, for having me. All right. And now we'll get right into the installer interview of the podcast. Let's get started with this month's edition of Contractors Corner. Today, we're talking with Heather Ingebreutson, who is CEO, and Mike Ingebreutson, who is CFO of Sunrise Power Solutions, a clean energy company working in the commercial market. So thanks for joining me today, Heather and Mike.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks for having us. All right. So tell me about how Sunrise Power Solutions got started. What's your story? So our story, uh, we started, we were originally electrical
3: contractors in 2007, Mm -hmm. and then around 2012, it was originally Mike and his father, and then in 2012, his father retired, and I I joined the family business.
0: Gotcha. Was there like more people wanting solar in the area? How'd you get into solar? We actually transitioned to solar from doing electrical
3: installations and doing big box stores like Lowe's and, and stuff along those lines. We transitioned into solar because there was more of a need for it?
2: Kelly, we started um, when uh, the business in the beginning, we did a lot of capital projects for the school districts, which are the typical public bid work stuff. Mm -hmm. And as we progressed, um, we found out that there was a lot of other contracts and services that the school had out which were with the ESCO companies, the energy savings companies, which were offering these energy performance contracts. And because of the relationship we built with our commercial customers, particularly the school districts, they preferred us to be their electrician of choice.
0: So what's kind of your area of expertise now? I mean, you're doing solar, you're still doing the electrical stuff, and, and where are you working?
2: So we're still working within all of the school districts and stuff like that, where we morphed out of a lot of the traditional electrical installations. We still look at public bid projects and stuff, but we're more into the energy-saving sector, how do we reduce you know, people's energy costs. So we do a lot of control work, we do some cogen installs, and we also, you know, we do the solar, mm-hmm. you know, which is in spite of the marketplace right now.
0: Okay. And are you just working in New York? Currently, we are working
3: in New York, mostly on Long Island. But we have a few projects upstate in the Hudson Valley region,
0: but we're, we're looking to expand.
2: We have a couple of projects on the table, which include Connecticut and the New York City area.
0: So typically, why are your commercial customers looking to go solar? Since, since you said you are kind of focused on the energy savings aspect, what are their energy goals? Why are they looking into solar?
3: The, the solar industry is at a price point now where it's more affordable. It's helping the environment. It, it helps communities. There's a lot of demand charges. As the utilities become more and more expensive, it's becoming more of a need than a, than a want. They're
0: needing to save money because everything is becoming so high, the high rates on Long Island. Yeah, I've heard that, too. I've I've talked with some even residential um, solar installers on Long Island, and that's definitely the case. The utilities are, like you said, increasing the rates for sure.
2: Kelly, let me just add on to that. You know, unfortunately, with Long Island and the local utility, you know, Lightroom, PSE&G, which is handling the utility lines, they did away with the residential rebates here. With the demand charges, the grid on Long Island isn't, you know, as strong as you would hope it to be. Being able to have energy that's provided to you is starting to become a premium. As more and more people connect to the grid, it's starting to become harder and harder to connect solar projects to it a lot of the commercial customers, school districts, stuff like that, you know, when you start looking at your cost aspects and what can you save on, solar's a big thing and like anything it took a while to get people to really start realizing, you know, how much they could save and how they could cut costs by just adding solar on you know, their roofs and, you know, even carports in their parking lots where it's not taken away from other, you know, you're not taking up extra space within their building and stopping anything. You're actually giving them a little bit more.
3: And and also the Things have improved. the The technology's improved, and things are lasting longer and better and more efficient. So, also,
0: I, I think that adds to it that
3: well, they're getting more. Yeah, the price point, the cost, the materials
2: for the inverter and the modules has come down substantially.
0: Definitely. Yeah, you've mentioned you work on a lot of K to twelve schools, and how do you approach those customers with solar? Are you focusing on a more overall energy reduction plan first? We think that the K-12 through market is the
3: ideal customer because they're actually approached by the ESCO company, which the ESCO company is able to offer the K-12 through schools, for example, like no out-of-pocket expense, which is ideal for them because they don't have to go to the taxpayer and say, we need to raise taxes to do this project. They benefit by not having to lay out money, not having to ask for money or a loan to do this project. And then the community benefits because their taxes aren't going up but yet they're saving this money. So it's more than a win-win. It's like everybody's double winning. almost. (laughs) Then the K-12 also has the added benefit that they have an ideal roof. It's a good, as long as the roof is good and sturdy, it's a good ideal flat roof. So they have plenty of space for the solar. But then they also have the option of carports or ground arrays. And they have the land for that where a a residential or a a commercial building may not have those ideal, ideal landscapes for the solar.
0: Definitely. And, and with a school, are you focusing on a specific like kilowatt amount that they want to, you know, they want to make sure that they're covering 50 percent of their operations with solar or, or how are you how are you approaching that?
2: When we come in. Um, so a lot of times what happens is because the school district's working with an architect on record already ready for the capital projects, they'll put out an energy performance contract. The ultimate goal is to zero out the school district's electrical consumption, you know, to actually zero their bills out wherever possible, you know. So we'll um, come in and do an exi- initial design of, you know, structural analysis of the roof, or come up with, uh, you know, price points to come down that, you know, we've been able to make carport an alternative option than the roofs. So ideally, we try to zero out the school district's bill altogether.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. How often are you including energy storage with your solar project? So, unfortunately, at this time, we're
3: not really installing storage and and batteries. Um, The point doesn't benefit. We're hoping as costs come down, hopefully, that would be definitely something we'd look at in the future.
2: So, yeah, as the utility, you know, switches from their conventional billing systems as to time of use, demand charges, and now they're going with the Vita actually charging you for when you actually use the energy and what it's worth at that time, we're able to start trying to add storage to the systems as to sell. But being that it's part of an energy performance contract, the price point at the batteries right now, there are some, you know, rebates available on the batteries, but it's not enough to add into the energy savings portion of the contracts right now. But, you know, that relates to later on in the future as to like five years from now, I strongly see that as being a future option to go back to the solar customers as battery technology gets better. The other thing is, is the stigmatism of like when solar first came out, it was, you know, people didn't like the way it looked on their roof, stuff like that with batteries. Everybody looks at a battery now and they think of that lead acid battery, you know, that could leak or be harmful. And where are they, you know, where are they going to put all of these batteries? They don't realize how far the technology has come. And once one you start to get a little bit of movement on that, we see that taking off rather quickly.
0: Yeah. Do you feel in your area that, you know, like batteries, it's still going to be that price point, maybe not necessarily for backup or weather related things. It still has to make sense financially in order to get that on the solar projects.
2: Yes. But like I said earlier, as the utility companies start changing their rate structures where At 12 o'clock when you're using energy, they might be charging you, you know, 14, 16 cents a kilowatt. They want to start saying that that energy at 12 when most solar is being produced is only worth, you know, seven cents because people aren't home using it. But they want to say at eight o'clock at night when people come home six o'clock to 10 o'clock at night and they start using energy, that that energy is worth more money at that time. When they go to change that, Mm -hmm. I strongly the battery taking the place because then the solar... When energy is cheaper during the day, we'll be able to support the building and charge these battery banks. At which time, the districts and the commercial customers will be able to start discharging the batteries and selling back to the grid at a premium. And it also helps, you know, on the more commercial that has the peak demand in the morning when the sun's not fully up and we're not getting 100% production that we need to to uh, cut the curve, you know, as to say to flatten that curve from the peak demand. You know, right. so we'd be able to start using batteries to, um, you know, start doing that.
0: Well, I see that that you guys are, you're very proud supporter of union work. And how can the solar industry better make use of union workers? So
3: being a union is, is actually pretty ideal because we have access to talented professional employees that it's just unbelievable. Like if we need, if we're working on a project and we need more help, they're they just are able to supply it. It's really an ideal situation where, I guess, with a traditional place, it would they would have to go through a hiring process and find certain people, and then need to stay at that level of busyness all the time to keep the employees on board. Where we can kind of approach projects on an individual need basis. So it's really ideal for this work, depending on what what we have on the table and at what times. And sometimes, especially with all the COVID stuff that's been going on, jobs have been like held up, getting the materials, even just the different situations that the school might be going through if they were shut down or just the individual circumstances. So for that, it's ideal to be union.
0: And I think you guys probably have a lot of experience with union just from your previous, you know, electrical focus that probably helped translate over to the
2: solar industry the union's a great asset to have because you know you're getting trained professionals you know that already gone through the training program some of them are in the apprenticeship program so you have a labor pool that is talented The only downside of it is where I think the solar industry could actually help the unions is through the education process I, I would you know I would definitely like to see more solar, into the apprenticeship program so that when you are doing a specialty like solar energy and stuff like that, that you do have more people that are educated in solar specific rather than just the general electric. But, you know, having the electrical knowledge with the commercial projects, because it's a larger installation as far as the switchgear and upgrades, you know, that's the plus of it.
0: What is Sunrise Power Solutions? What are you guys hoping to accomplish in the next few years kind of within the solar industry? well we we actually we're leaning towards um we're hoping to get more into batteries we're hoping that
3: that becomes a place that we can go but also with EV the electric vehicle market I'm in 2030 a lot of companies are going completely electric and the need for chargers is expected to be you know both both residential and commercial we're we're looking to go in that direction and see what we can do to make make for a cleaner planet and accommodate what's coming
2: the biggest thing that we see happening is that if all of this stuff goes through and, you know, we've been to seminars, we've been to the shows and everything and heard lectures where people are talking about this is going to happen by, you know, 2035 or 2030 and they're pushing it to 2026 now. The potential of all these gas vehicles and you see all these gas gas stations that sell Traditional fuel, it's you know, if everybody's driving around in an electric car and if they were to plug in at the same time, you know, it'd be really difficult to support the grid with that. So that's where we feel like in the next five years with the energy storage of batteries capability, the EV charging marketplace, that that's going to be hand in hand with solar and standalone, you know, battery solar stations that people are able to charge up their car in a reasonable amount of time. Now is the time to start looking at that infrastructure because it's going to be a big concern when people are going to the gas station. And you have four gas stations, one on each corner, before a storm occurs now with all these natural disasters we've been having over the last few years in every part of the country. I don't think anybody's been exempt from that, feeling that kind of thing. And you see it, oh, they predict the bad weather. And all of a sudden you see 20 cars lined up at the gas stations trying to top off their tanks. They don't know when they get it. And the same for, you know, with the, the EV charges and the storage, that if the grid goes down like it has, you know, Texas had a big problem recently. What, what can we do? And to have these electric vehicles with these batteries charging and people being able to charge their car in a reasonable amount of time will help stabilize the grid.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, it's good to get in on it now because it is going to be a, a bigger issue in the future. Well, thanks for talking to me today, Heather and Mike. are really enjoyed getting to know the company. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. This has been another edition of Contractors Corner. Join us each month as editor Kelly Pickerel chats with solar installers across the country. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World Podcast. Visit us online to hear more great podcasts, view industry videos, and read our great editorial content. solarpowerworldonline.com See you back here next month.